Hello gamers, and thank you for tuning into another episode of The Cartridge Club. The Cartridge Club is a community of gamers, collectors, content creators, and gaming enthusiasts of all generations. The show that you're listening to is effectively a monthly book club, but for gamers. We pick a game, invite everyone in the club to play along, and we select a couple community members to come on the show and discuss the game. My name is Ryan, but some of you might know me as it's Rocket Sauce, and I'm one of the hosts for the show. Without any further ado, let me introduce to you the panel for this month. From the YouTube channel Creepleet1337, we have Josh. Hello, Josh. Hi. Glad to be here. Thanks for being here. And from the YouTube channel, The Game Grinder, we have Church. Hello, Church. Hey, how's it going? I am ret to go. Awesome. And with that being said, I'm going to hand over to my co-host, Musty Hobbit, to discuss the game we're playing for this month. Thank you, Ryan. And hello, everybody. I am... Musty Hobbit, and uh, for January, uh, Cartridge Club Prime decided that we wanted something bright and colorful to combat all of the gloomy winter weather, and so we chose Shantae, Half Genie Hero, which is available on just about everything, and we're very excited to have you guys here to talk about it. We have both ends of the spectrum. We have a newcomer to the game, and we have a self-anointed mega fan of the game as well. So we're very excited to go through that. And I would like to just quickly acknowledge before we jump into things that uh, we are recording this live in front of our patrons. And so uh, if you are interested in supporting the club in any way beyond sharing this episode and maybe even giving us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you utilize, take a look at our Patreon, see if there's something that would be interesting for you there. The club itself runs on pledges from community members uh, entirely. So we highly appreciate that. But let's get going. Uh, let's get some hip shaking and all that. We're going to hit things off first with the breakdown. Shantae Half Genie Hero is the fourth game in the Shantae series and was crowdfunded via Kickstarter, more than doubling its initial target of $400,000 and hitting five stretch goals in the process. Developer WayForward released this next installment of the franchise on December 20th, 2016 on Wii U, PS4, Vita, Xbox One, and Steam, with a port to the Nintendo Switch being released later and including additional modes, costumes, and more. As the titular Shantae, you platform your way through six different levels, attacking enemies using her now famous and lethal ponytail. Additionally, she can acquire different genie dances that allow her to transform, enabling new abilities such as clinging to walls, ground pound, flying, and swimming. Being a half-genie, as well as the current guardian of Scuttletown, Shantae can also purchase and use magic attacks which depend on a replenishable magic meter. Levels are usually made up of a few sections mostly composed of platforming challenges and ending with a boss battle. Upon unlocking more dances and abilities, these levels can be replayed to find secret areas now accessible due to these new powers. The tunes in Shantae may convey a familiar feel as the soundtrack for Half Genie Hero was composed by Jake Kaufman, who Cartridge Club members may recall as the composer for the score to a prior Prime Game of the Month, Shovel Knight, as well as other WayForward titles. So let's get into it and hear what the panel thought with their first impressions of the game. So my first impressions when I started the game were uh, is is very bright and colorful. Uh, my I haven't had any experience with any of the Shantae games before, so it was kind of an interesting step into the into the how do I say an interesting step into the franchise because I believe it's the third game in the series or fourth game in the series. So I wasn't sure if I was missing any story, and it seems like there was 
there was something happening. There was a history with these characters that I felt like I was kind of plopped down in the middle of them. My only previous experience with this kind of of uh, game was Shovel Knight. So I was Yacht Club Games is a bunch of people who came out of uh, Way Forward. So that's the kind of platforming and type of game that I was expecting to get, um, and that's not what I got at all. So it kind of started. It started really high. My impressions of the game, and then. Uh, I I ran into some early difficulty and that kind of dropped my expectations and my and my how I felt about the game. But but I think and then near the end it it's it swung way 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 up. So I think it's definitely worth everyone checking out. Very good. What what other uh, like way forward games have you have you played prior to this? Uh, none that I can really remember. Actually, I have a lot in my backlog that I need to try, <laughs> but I just haven't. Uh, have the time to get them all into the uh, into the system. Now, WayForward kind of has a how do I want I don't want to say a stigma, but they have like a reputation of kind of doing a lot of like cheap like cash in games. I feel licensed stuff, licensed stuff especially, that especially early on, yeah, yeah. And so I think that also added to my I didn't expect a whole lot. What were the other WayForward games? Who were they published and developed by? WayForward's kind of been published by various people over the years. Not uh, mean the Shantae game specifically. Uh, the original was Capcom, and then the other two games they did digital releases, so they didn't exactly have a publisher. And then Half Genie Hero has been published by Xseed for the physical versions. Okay. okay. Where Risky's Revenge and Shantae and the Pirate's Curse only physical versions for that are through Limited Run, and mm-hmm. there's also a uh, Shantae, Risky's Revenge, uh, and Mighty Switch Force, um, kind of like dual pack, uh, PC release that was some weird publisher that I don't remember the name of off the top of my head. Okay. Yeah. I have the I have the two limited run ones as well. Haven't broken into those ones yet. Okay. Okay. Well then let's church, let's let's hear from you. You are the expert here, uh, compared to all of us having become Let's talk about your experience with not only, I, I guess, the whole series. Interested to hear your kind of history with this. Sure. Yeah. So my introduction to the series was when I saw the trailer for Shanta, Shanta and the Pirates Curse on Steam, and the Steam does a store page, so it just kind of gives you a quick preview, and it just caught my eye. Bright colors. A lot of times when you see trailers for the game, they show a lot of the artwork. For Shanti and the Pirates Curse, it's you know cute characters, cute girls, and things like that. So it kind of caught my attention. And started looking into it, and I was like, "Hey, this game looks really neat." And then I saw that there was a, uh, a prequel to it that was Risky's Revenge. So after some googling, I found out that this game has been around since the Game Boy Color, and the Game Boy Color game is crazy expensive. I was like, "What the what's the deal with that?" Looked into that game, and all of a sudden we got a Metroidvania which is very much what the Game Boy Color game is. So I'm a type of person that likes to play a game from the beginning of a series. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to pick up a repro of this game. Being a collector, I like to have a physical, and I couldn't get the $350 Game Boy Color version of it. So I, you know, I'd suffice with the re- reproduction at the time. So I picked that up, and pretty much the rest is history. I, I played that game, loved it. Jumped into Risky's Revenge, enjoyed that one quite a bit. And Pirate's Curse, like, is one of my favorite games ever. 
And then I'd learned about the Half Genie Hero Kickstarter. It had closed by the time I found out about the series, but it was about a year or so until uh, Half Genie Heroes released, and I was pretty excited. So I had really high expectations for Half Genie Hero. Of course, you can read up information on the Kickstarters when the game's being developed, but I kind of, I kind of take like a media blackout approach to a lot of games once I feel like I'm interested in this game. I don't want to see anything else. So I had some concerns, you know, big art style change from the previous games, which were very pixel art focused to this one being a hand-drawn style. I mean, I was kind of curious what they were going to do with the story coming off the last two games that had connected story arcs uh, where the first and the fourth are kind of standalone, I guess, as it were. But yeah, that's pretty much what, what led me up to the series. Yeah, very good. And I should point out while we have the opportunity that our uh, the other major game of the month podcast for the Cartridge Club, CC Portable, is actually playing the first uh, Shantae game. We are doing a double feature for this month um, with us playing the fourth game and then playing the first game. So check out that episode too. Uh, Curtis has a special guest on to discuss that one also but let me hand back to my co-host ryan ryan let's let's hear your first impressions on the game as you experienced it just this first time as with me yeah so this was my first time playing the game playing a shante game and the, the thing about it is i i have a few different different shante games too to to go with this collection i'm sorry i'm drawing a blank on the previous two games other names here i own them pirate's curse and risky's revenge I have one on the PS4 and one of them on the Wii U, mostly because they were digital sales for like two bucks. And I figured, why not jump on these here? But I've also bought Pirate's Curse on the 3DS because that was like at the time the only physical release of it, I believe. And I also bought this game on the Wii U prior. Um, The thing about it is I knew I wanted to play this game. And when you're offering me a complete edition with multiple story DLCs, and it's on sale, I'm probably going to jump on it. So I've bought in this game at least twice. Uh, but this is the first time I played it. So yeah, this, this is the first time I've been looking forward to playing a Shantae game for quite some time. And I'm glad we finally had an opportunity to play one here because uh, I, I, I kind of knew this would be right in my wheelhouse. And I'm glad we played this game for the first time. Very good. And I, I have to echo that sentiment. I went into this uh, having heard nothing but great things from church, uh, as we've discussed it uh, previously, and we thought it would be a good fit. And I I, I jumped in. Uh, I actually played it the first couple hours prior to the Extra Life stream. And then I actually started over when the, the Extra Life stream was going. Um, and that was just fun to kind of share the, the early stage of the game with people and kind of give people an opportunity to see what it is that they might be getting themselves into. Uh, and, uh, and, and it was a lot of fun. I, uh, you know, we played DuckTales last month, you know, that was a strict platformer. This, you know, is very much that, that has that platformer pedigree, but at the same time, they feel dramatically different. And I really liked a lot of what came out of this. We'll kind of get into all of that as we kind of go through all the little nitty gritty, uh, about it. But yeah, I had a lot of fun playing this this past month and, uh, this was the first month that I had made a point. Uh, we have been streaming the game every Monday night, and so I actually played through it 
uh, the last three Monday nights to allow people to watch along, maybe people who didn't have the opportunity. Now, I I played on the Wii U because I had that copy I picked up at Midwest Gaming Classic two years ago. Uh, Ryan, I know you played it on the Switch, and then Correct. Josh, what what did you play? What did you play it on? I played it on PS4. PS4, and then Church, you've played it on. I played it on PC, but I have every copy of the game that's available. Gotcha. So we did a little poll, uh, and uh, of people who were playing along with the club, it looks like 61% of people who voted uh, announced that they were also playing along on the Switch. And so that's the the addition that comes with all of the DLC built in. Uh, so you didn't have to actually pick a- any of that up. Now, Half Genie Heroes also available on uh, Game Pass. So if you have Xbox Game Pass, you can find it there. And it, and it was funny because I... Uh, Pirate's Curse is there also. So I actually downloaded that, and it was funny after playing a couple hours of Half Genie Hero and then going back and seeing the pixel art versions of these hand-drawn characters, I, I got the opposite effect, where it was really cool to see these characters that I don't I'd only known as this hand drawn in the in the pixel art form and like oh there's Bolo and uh, some of the other characters which we'll talk about briefly but but yeah it I I want to go back and I want to get to that sometime soon but let's start talking about the game uh, kind of let me give you a little bit of a quick synopsis of the story just to kind of kick things off. I don't know how deep we'll go into the story today, but we will hit on a lot of our favorites uh, throughout the entirety of the game. And it's not it's not that long of a game either. It certainly has a lot of replayability and you can kind of sink as much time as you need to into it. But uh, the game kicks off. Shantae wakes up from this deep sleep. She's suddenly alert and she runs out of her home uh, through this moonlit forest looking for answers. In this nearby town, Scuttletown, which is kind of the hub world, she goes to her uncle's home. Her uncle's name is Mimic. She finds a trap door and discovers that it leads into this luminous subterranean cavern. This voice calls out to her, and Shantae ends up coming to this beautiful fountain. And when she touches the waters of that fountain, she's pulled into the genie realm. At her feet, this magical seal swells and some powerful evil tries to escape. And the chamber trembles with a deep bellowing roar and everything goes white. Uh, Suddenly, Shantae sits up back in her bed, wondering if this was just a dream. Is this a vision? Uh, And then she awakes to go see her Uncle Mimic and finds that his blueprints have been stolen by pirates and that Main Street is being attacked. And that's kind of your... Your emphasis to go to go take action uh, as protector of this of this city, uh, and so we go into there, and you kind of hit the hit the first world. Now, thoughts, Ryan? To be honest, the story wasn't really impactful for me. I completely forgot all about that that opening until you just relived uh, my memory here about the dream in the opening. The story was kind of side for me for the game. It's not saying it's a bad thing. Um, I, there's just other things. I think I enjoyed more with the game, probably the, the the gameplay and maybe the characters and learning stuff. Just the story was more of a, you know, a, a side a dish, you know, for the, for, for me, for the game. So sort of a vehicle to get you places. Yeah, I guess, you sure, know, sure. I, I, I forgot it. Maybe it's a weakness, but to me, it didn't hurt the game. So sure. 
So Josh, you you mentioned in your in your early impressions that you kind of had a, a an up and down with this. Was it story related? And and if so, can you kind of tell us what it was about the story that was that took you in those directions? Um, it was uh, it wasn't actually the story. Um, there was just some of the uh, the gameplay mechanics, which I think we'll get into a little bit later. That kind of pushed me up and down there. The story, I'd like to echo uh, Rocket Sauce's sentiments there. That was very. I don't want to say forgettable, but it, it wasn't important. It was very much a conduit to gameplay. So that's really what you know holds you there. You're not you're not riveted on the edge of your seat trying to wait for the uh, wait for the switch, the bait and switch. But um, even even though there there may or may not be one, <laughs> no spoilers. But it's it's yeah, it's definitely the gameplay that keeps you playing. Sure. So Church, let me let me ask. Having played the prior games, is there you, you mentioned that the like uh, Risky's Revenge and Pirate's Curse had kind of this overarching narrative there? How much of that, how much for the three of us not having that information and not having that history, how much of that makes a difference going into this game? It doesn't really make much of a difference, it's more just like as I'm sorry, one of you'd mentioned that you kind of just got thrown in and here's these characters and you don't really know like their significance or anything. The other games really, they just introduce you to everybody there. There, there is a story in Risky's revenge and pirates curse, but all of that, like there's no, there's not really references to previous events in this one per se. Um, it's more just kind of like the progression of the character personalities but you can definitely play Half Genie Hero without playing the other games, and you're not really lost. Besides just them not introducing those characters like formally. Yeah, there was some there were some assumptions like that. You're like, oh, it's Bolo, and I'm like, okay, this is Bolo. And yeah. I, so I, I I didn't really have a lot of like like what has he done in the past like is is the antics that he gets into at Mermaid Falls like is that is that sort of par for the course like yeah ba- basically like their their personalities are pretty much solidified bolo is like well i'll kind of save character discussions for when we get to it but uh i also do like as much as a fan of the series i am i you know love 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 the games the the story is it is a vehicle of progression for me it's more like the individual situations that really stand out than versus the the entire narrative itself that's fair. Well, then let's let's hit that first. Let's let's take us through the the six worlds because there's there's each level uh, itself, and so you know I, I mentioned that we wake up to find that all of a sudden Main Street is under attack uh, by pirates, and those familiar with the series will know that there are uh, a lot of connections with with a specific pirate who is the one who commands the ones who stole these blueprints and so and that is risky risky boots and uh so your mission then is to go save main street from this attack and then you come across the first boss and so with each of these levels you're ending with this big boss hits you with one of the uh most interesting acronyms that i've ever seen uh for (laughs) for a boss and actually i I only wrote down the acronym i did not uh, write down what it actually means but it is the tinker slug also known as poop toot and uh that's the part 
Omni Organic Partially Titanic Ocean Optional Tinker Slug. Nice. There we go. And yeah, so so you you, you have your exchange with with Risky, who obviously was is the antagonist throughout the series. Is she? She's at least in the second one. I assume that she's yes. It's a revenge, so I assume that she's then in the first one. So she's been she's been against Shantae this whole time. But yeah, she's here to to steal these blueprints for a machine that that Mimic was trying to build that would allow them to protect Scuttletown. And so with that battle, that they introduce you to some basic mechanics around around how a lot of the boss battles go. A lot of these boss battles tend to have a a hook to them. And uh and in this one, you know, you you actually have to hit a a bell which moves a bear a an explosive barrel into uh into position and then you launch that to hit the tinker slug and then that stuns him and allows you to go in and whip your hair like crazy at him. So before before we delve too much further because I feel like I'm I'm going to get ahead of ourselves. We should probably talk about Shantae's basic mechanics and as far as like how she controls and how um and some of her abilities. Obviously her primary attack is her hair, but there's a lot more to that. Now I found myself to I skipped most of the magic until the late game with exception of the fire, but what did you guys think of, you know, this isn't the first time we've seen hair used as a weapon. Kabuki Quantum Fighter on the NES did it as well. But uh, what did you guys think? Church, let's start with you. What do you think about how Shantae attacks and and what does it, what does it do for you? Yeah, uh, so it's definitely unique, a hair whip. I'm not really sure how they decided to come up with that idea, but, you know, uh, it's remain consistent throughout the series. It works, uh, gives you some extra range. They don't really have to, you know, she's not necessarily wielding weapons and things like that. So I think it keeps her a little, a little bit more grounded and then gives a little bit more focus on the dance abilities and the items. The items can be really hit or miss, especially throughout the series. They've really experimented with what works and what doesn't with each, with each game. With some of her magic abilities in this one, like she has the magic bubble and you can upgrade these abilities to make them stronger. And if you fully upgrade the magic bubble, it essentially make gives you an invincibility shield, which kind of breaks the game because nothing can damage you. And that magic will last quite a, quite a while. The, uh, the pike ball was my go-to, uh, especially when you upgrade that, then you get like three spiked balls that spin around you the whole time and deal damage. Great for bosses, but you know, Gameplay wise, it's I think one of the like we we've all kind of said like the gameplay is really the focus here and great gameplay is great controls and this game just controls amazingly well the the entire series and I think WayForward really nails their platforming with a lot of their games and Shanti I think they kind of go go above and beyond trying to add in like unique and interesting mechanics and things like that too. So Josh, um, did you did you have a a favorite magic attack, or did you use the magic much at all? Or um, I used a few, not a whole lot. I kind of forgot about the magic because I'm very used to 
like older style platformers where it's kind of jump attack, jump attack type thing. So you, it's more, I studied more of the, the enemy patterns and kind of worked my way around them. And I almost forgot completely about the magic until about halfway through the game, which may have contributed to my, my dislike of the game at the beginning. When you did sort of rediscover it, was there one that you like that you favored over others? I really liked the lightning mostly because it would, you could just kind of control where it would shoot and you had full like 360 control, especially when it's like fully upgraded. There was also a, a lot with the, the conveyor levels that you have to fly down. If you're having issues with those, you can use that lightning attack to j- basically jump and just hold yourself in air and just kind of skip by most of the level. So it's almost like church talking about how the bubble makes you invincible at some point kind of breaks the game. I think that in a way, also kind of breaks the game because you can skip like the final almost the final part of the of the game that's supposed to be super super intense i wish yeah, i would i wish i would have known that <laughs> <laughs> it's super intense and yeah once you if you collect other things you get other power-ups that make it so you can just basically sit up there for the entire the entire level and and, and that's not uncommon throughout there. there. There's an item that you get at one point. If you find all of the hidden keys, the magical tiara. Uh, yes, gives that's you... what I'm. That's what I'm referring to. That's the one. Okay. Yeah. 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 I uh, toward the end, I found myself. It, it's like I wouldn't let myself get below four hearts, and I would <laughs> pop the revive dance, which immediately fills you entirely up. And yeah. so I was. Uh, yeah. I at that point, I was just like, okay. We're gonna think, get there. It's just a matter of time. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get there. I think. I think the magical tiara is definitely. I don't. They must have just put that in as a here. We're you know you've put in the legwork, so we're gonna give you something and just go have fun. But that definitely. I hate to keep using the, the same words, but it, that definitely breaks the game because it's impossible to die um, as long as you're watching your hearts go down. You can skip full levels. You can do unlimited damage. Uh, yeah, it's just. You, you become a god at that point. Yeah, and there's like there's also the saving. Like every time you transition to a different section, they're like, "Do you want to save the game?" And this this series is progressively. I think I wouldn't. I don't know if it's they're aiming to make it easier or if they're aiming to make it more accessible for anybody who is playing along with the the portable game of the month, the Shantae for the Game Boy Color. Like that is a challenging game. That is. That's a old school Metroidvania that will will test you. And since then the games have gotten significantly easier. Risky's Revenge was incredibly easy. Pirate's Curse mostly easy up until the end of the game. And just because I'm more seasoned, I thought Half Genie Hero even without like a lot of the 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 upgrades and spells is considerably easy compared to like the hardcore more mode or something like that. So Ryan, let's let's hear from you then on uh from a a sort of did you find yourself gravitating toward a specific magic type or what was sort of your go-to attack with Shantae? So for me, I wouldn't say my probably my favorite magic attack would probably be the the blades, the swords, the spinning swords so you can max out I found that to be just like ripping apart bosses. You can really just, you could uh, try to think of the sky Baron. He like, he's got, um, well, and we'll talk to bosses about his attacks, but that like, 
that broke him. You know, like that, like I could see it being a really, really tough challenge if I didn't have that. Now, that being said, uh, I'll say this for the gameplay. Uh, one of my gripes, I guess, right probably from the beginning of this game was I felt underpowered significantly and it was really challenging at first the beginning part of the game and you know the more you unlock stuff the easier it gets well i like that if you grind and essentially you can get most of these attacks by purchasing them uh, i think you can get all of them by purchasing them the tran the um, the magic transformations you have to find i think right trade uh, you find you, and trade but but you don't purchase those so for me, once I found that out, I was just like, well, the hell with this. I'm going to make my life a lot easier. And I just farmed for, for the jewels in that first, the town, was it called town? Um, Scuttle Town. Scuttle Town. So I just found if I keep walking back in and out of the the um, art gallery, and you can keep coming back out, there's going to be more pots, and you just keep breaking the pots, getting your jewels, and then I would just go right to the item store, buy all the items, and then after i want to say probably after the second level i felt felt i felt like i could play the game the way i wanted to where i felt strong enough the little game where i'm not saying i don't want to avoid a challenge but i hate feeling weak knowing i could be stronger in a game so i i'm glad i could play the game I, how i wanted to so i spent about an hour or so just grinding away getting as many of these items unlocked as possible and then finally really taking on the game and enjoying it more the way I wanted to play the game. So I, uh, I really wasn't using the magic at all. Uh, like I said, eventually I started to, I picked up on the, the fireball and the triple fireball because there was a suggestion that if you killed a gator with a fireball, then you got a gator steak, which was, uh, effectively a, a health potion restorative item. And so, I really only gravitated toward that, and then in the end game, I ended up I ended up not upgrading everything. So unfortunately, uh, and uh, you know, friend of the show uh, Dean from Round Two Gaming will give me uh, grief over getting only ninety one percent and completing the game, but uh, that's just how the cookie crumbles. And so, anyways, I yeah, I, I found myself using physical attacks far more than anything else using the hair i up i went and got those those upgrades as much as possible and then i was using the stuff out of the dances when i could and so being a half genie shantae is gifted with the ability to transform transform or transform uh and she could transform into a number of different a number of different uh, animals, and so people who played games like uh, the Wonder Boy and the Dragon's Trap uh, will will have some familiarity with that kind of mechanic. In that, it changes what you're able to do, your uh, your leaping ability, and and so you start to unlock those as you progress and as you complete different levels. You then all of a sudden get uh, you get the elephant or you get the mermaid or the crab and so basically you utilize these to find new areas and to get to areas that you previously could not reach and so i was using a lot more of that over the magic in pretty much every opportunity i could but i should ask then of the of the panel 
what did you guys think of the transformations and did you have a favorite? And I'm going to start with you, Ryan. I, I will. I, I'm guessing I'm going to say my favorite probably was the harpy. And basically I just like flying over levels as opposed to like, by that point in time when you get it, um, it's like, I kind of don't want to do the platforming part of the same level. I've been here a few times trying to get these parts. Let me just get to the part I need to, you just fly right across that and you don't have to worry about, you know, dodging spikes or anything. You just fly past everything. That being said, I, I guess I would like to say probably the the mermaid might be my my next favorite because actually you have an attack. Uh, one of the things, too, I, I guess I'll bring it up since we're talking about these um, uh, transformations is first you get the, the character, but they don't have an attack, right? You have to then get their upgraded attack for you know for them to be kind of more effective like you can do stuff with the crab or you can go underneath water with it but you can't like get past certain barriers until you find the claw pinch and same thing with the uh with the mermaid she's got a bubble attack but she doesn't do it right away until you unlock it little things like that you know it's you know it makes i guess progressing the game you find more stuff you know in the the levels doing it and uh, it makes your life a little easier. You can find your heart pieces more. I guess I should just wrap it back up to the transition here. The mermaid and the harpy were probably my favorite too. So okay, Josh, uh, which transformations did you did you enjoy? Uh, did you have any that you sort of favored aside from what was being called upon in the uh, at that specific moment? Um, I actually used the monkey for almost everything. Uh, I just found that I, he controlled a little bit better. Uh, you got a better jump. You could cling to walls if you screwed up a jump. You could, you had a chance to save yourself. Once you get the the monkey, monkey bullet, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. It it also really helps your. Uh, what am I trying to say? Your transportation. It helps you moving around. It helps you sure. just jump around and, and get to areas that you can't jump to as easily. So, and that is, I love the monkey right up until the moment I found the harpy. Um, <laughs> yeah, the harpy, uh, the harpy is, is definitely the same. I feel like Ryan and I are going to have a lot of the same opinions of this game because <laughs> everything was just, yeah, right up to the point we had the monkey or, or right up to had the harpy. It just like, you can go anywhere, you can grab anything. Yeah, it was just, there is also like a bat, but I feel like once you have the harpy, you don't need the bat anymore. The the bat feels useless. I'm sorry. The bat, you know? I feel the bat was useless as well. Yeah. I mean, it's good for getting like slight tight areas, you know. There's yeah. some small ones, but it's the harpy does have a, a giant hitbox, which is against it. But at the same yeah, time, yeah. And there's a few areas where you have to use the harpy, and that hitbox comes into play, especially toward the end uh, mm -hmm. of the game itself. Now. There's a few other, there's the, there's the base ones that you get through the game. There's, there's some additional uh, special dances that were available through the, throughout the world. Uh, Church, could you kind of talk about these, these three other ones that, uh, that you can acquire from the, she's like a, she's like a teapot, but then turns into a snake woman. Sorry, I forgot her name. Uh, she was actually a a backer created character and this Naga basically you find her in a couple of levels. Uh, you hit her jar, she opens up and she's a shop and she has some dances and magic that you can, or not magic, just dances. 
but she has some creature dances and then like magic attack dances. The creatures are the the dryad, uh, which just turns you into tree and you can shake and she drops fruit that you can untransform and then pick up and now you got a potion. The the blobfish is just the blobfish. It, there's no point to it. It's just silly. And then there's a gem jug that will turn you into a jug that you can shake to get gems. Not really worth it where you can just farm through the levels really quickly. And actually, I didn't know that they they added this in until I was just replaying through the game just to try, try like, not that I necessarily need to refamiliarize myself, but I wanted to play it again before this podcast, but they added the uh, Sophia 3 transformation, which is inspired by the Blaster Master Zero game that Inti Creates did for the Switch, which made Shantae as an unlockable character in that game. And WayForward and Inti Creates have a lot of collaboration. So that's mostly uh, the dances. And then there's the um, the the non-transformative dances. The warp dance will, will let you uh, skip to the next area or back to the previous area if you're at the end. Then there's a revive dance that will heal you and the obliterate dance that will essentially clear the screen. And then to get those other creature dances, you have to trade with the Naga. So you can trade the, the obliterate dance for, I think it's the blobfish or something like that. I know the super revive dance you can trade to get the Sophia, but you can also trade back. And for what, what you guys are finding for your completion percentage is you didn't do the trades. So it didn't give you, it didn't say that you got those items and all you have to do is you trade for it and then you trade right back and then you get the completion percentage essentially. Gotcha. So I should go back and ask favorite transformation uh, dance aside from that too. Yes. Uh, same as you guys. Uh, the monkey is great, quick to get around, big jump, can cling to the walls. Uh, and then the harpy basically gives you unlimited movement throughout the levels. Uh, great for for like quick farming through Tasseltown. You can just fly through the top of the level and hit all those floating platforms for gems. And yeah. So of, of the ones that we didn't bring up, I do want to call out special attention to the elephant, which I really liked using. The elephant comes into play big during the Tasseltown level, especially going up the tower, which is the second section of that level. There's lots of blocks on the side that you need to take out in order to find items that then you turn into the guy who's the... It's almost an archaeologist, and he's looking for like remains. So you have to find those. Uh, the only way to find those is with the elephant. The mouse is also one. I liked how they did it. I don't know that I liked the... I didn't. <laughs> you didn't like the mouse? I so, really just liked the mouse as well. Really? Yeah. So those those moments, there, there, was, there weren't a lot of puzzles that involved the mouse. It was effectively... You go into kind of this small maze and you're you're kind of the platforms that you were walking on in Mermaid Falls, which is the second level, those have sort of this patterning to them, which ends up being the pathway that you use for the mouse to get around. And so the mouse goes in and they go, you know, up, down, left, right, and get kind of through this area, you know, that only the mouse could get through. And I didn't realize until it was until I was done with like the last of the mouse mazes that the mouse bite can take out the little enemies that are also like 
running through that those mazes. So I I took some damage along the way. Anyways, but yeah, harpy, harpy all the way. Like it's a it's uh my frustrations with the harpy in the last stretch cannot go anywhere close to how awesome it is to just be like I'm in a level now. Now I'm up at the top. Now I'm all the way to the right. Um, oh, was there the thing over there? Let me go get that. Yeah, the harpy was great, and the uh, she actually had a a decent attack, and well, it was it was it was okay. She's a little slippery though, right? Like with landing, she kind of has got the like she doesn't stop on a dime. Yeah, that's true. It's like a nice level. Yeah, yeah they they kind of try to balance it out a little bit by you know pros and cons. A lot of the dances are just kind of you need them for progression purposes and less and then others are more utility like the monkey or the harpy some you only use in a few instances like the mouse like that you're never going to use the mouse besides you know run through the mazes and yeah the the bat and uh there's a couple instances where the spider is handy yeah, i think i found like one or one or two where the spider is useful I was able to use sorry, I was able to use the spider to get to some areas a little bit earlier than I think I was supposed to just by kind of mashing once you get the, the ability to like shoot your web up then you you can just kind of jump somewhere and just kind of like spam the web button and until you grab something and so I was able to to get into some areas that I think you needed the harpy for to get to later so I think we've hit then all the transformations so obviously using all of those transformations gets you through these different levels. Now, I should ask, without us you know, dwelling on story content, um, since we've kind of mentioned that the story kind of takes a backseat and it's all about the gameplay and the levels and things like that, in total, you have a number, you have six different levels primarily, and then you have Scuttletown as well, which is sort of your hub. You have Main Street, Mermaid Falls, Tasseltown, Cape Crustacean, the Hypno Baron's Castle, and then uh, once all of those have been defeated, then you have access then to Risky's Hideout. I want to ask what your favorite either moments or if there were fa- your favorite level of those, um, or or different. I, I guess if there were specific missions that you were sent on, because there were a few like fetch me this thing and you have to have to go and, and, and locate those church. I want to start with you on this one. What, what I guess sort of is like the top, the cream of the crop when it comes to the levels or your favorite moments from the game. Sure. My favorite level, I think just overall is probably mermaid falls and uh, mermaid factory. I enjoy a lot of levels, but I just, I like that one. It, it It's a little bit more, there's a little bit more to it compared to some of the other levels. You know, Tasseltown is mostly left to right for the first section, and then you have the tower climb. The music plays a big part with which levels I like. To, I mean, I like I love the music for most of the main levels, but overall, I would have to say probably Mermaid Falls is my favorite. Although I, I do love Risky's Hideout. I like the the um, kind of gauntlet that they throw you at the end which was something that they did in one of the previous games as well. So yeah, that was pretty pretty intimidating. So the yeah, Mer- Mermaid Falls music-wise, I I think I'm right there with you. There's like all all three sections of that uh, including the sort of conveyor belt cascade at the end of that were all were all fun. 
I really like that boss too. The Giga Mermaid was was a it was a fun battle because they they there were some aspects of that that I felt like Cuphead utilized. Granted, these games were were developed kind of in tandem, but you know, there's there's a very similar boss in 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 Cuphead that you know has that mermaid aesthetic, and then, but yeah, I I really like that. Ryan, let's go to you next and hit favorite favorite level moment uh, from from the game. So for me, my favorite level was the Hypno Hypno Baron's Castle. I I kind of like that little horror theme to it. It was kind of like the horror level for the game. But uh, I mean, yeah. The, the, even though the boss fight was, you know, was, uh, was a combo, right? Where you have to fight Hypno Baron and Squid Baron together, right? I really just liked, I guess, the theme of it, and it just it was a fun level. The music for it was fantastic, and we'll talk about that level. But that's uh, that that was probably my favorite all overall level for the game, and probably favorite boss. Boss, I'll, I'm gonna probably repeat what you just said there. Musty was Giga Mermaid was probably my favorite boss of the game. I just liked the different stages. Of it, she had one kind of cheap attack that I thought was uh, that giant. Was it the lightning strike that she has? I'm trying to remember what it was, but I just remember it takes like an electrical orb. Yeah, oh, the one that sort of slowly moves toward you and then doesn't mm-hmm. really give you much much for a chance to get around. Yeah, yeah. This other than that, you know, I think she was probably the most interesting. Yeah, it's it, it's funny because you mentioned Hypno Baron, and last last month you mentioned that Transylvania was probably your favorite level out of Ducktales. So I love I love horror themes, about, man. Something about horror castle oh, yeah. thing going on there for put, you. Put a horror theme in each game, you know, a horror level. That's gonna be my favorite. So, can I just jump in about the Giga Mermaid here for a sec? <clears throat> so I, I hate to be the the person that kind of brings this down a little bit, but of course, Musty and, and Ryan, or you guys both say it's your favorite. Boss, uh, that was actually the point in the game where I considered quitting. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, now, this isn't because of the game itself. Well, partly, but mostly my fault. I was playing on the PS4, and so in order to access your items menu, you had to physically press the trackpad down, which seems very counterintuitive to how I would normally play games. Like, I would usually hit the start or the options button to get that menu to come up so up until past this point i didn't even know how to access my items so after i just did the conveyor and came all the way down i I hit a couple barrels and whatever i got to the giga mermaid fight with one with a with a quarter of a heart left of my two hearts and also didn't know that you could skip cutscenes. so i would do a little bit of the fight, die, have to watch the cutscene all over again, learn a little bit more of the fight, die, watch the cutscene again, back and forth, on and on and on. And I think I did it for about two nights of just trying to do, like, just learn this boss fight in and out. And then I realized she had a second phase. So after I got the first phase done, then I get to the second phase and die instantly. And I'm like, oh, so now I have to do this all over again to figure out the second phase (laughs) so I don't die there. So... After I wish I could go, my I probably still will go back and do this again now that I know how to use the items. But yeah, it was just that was a real low point in the game for me. I'm sorry she, about she that. She is the best looking character of the <laughs> the best looking boss of the game, though. But yeah, that was that was the low point for me. I'm I, I'm glad that you persevered, but I'm sorry that you had <laughs> you had difficulty with it. Uh, I I really like Mermaid Falls, but I I will say if we're gonna just say outright favorite boss, like 
and by boss, I, I have to include the the lead up to this because yeah, that that hypno baron squid baron combo and the dialogue in that moment is amazing. Like squid baron breaking the fourth wall, talking about him getting his own game and how, what he would title it, and that Shantae could be a DLC palette swap and all of this stuff. Like hilarious i i thought that was fantastic and i i I hope that that's something that seems like all of these bosses are consistent throughout and uh i i have a feeling that that yeah you know looks like squid baron might might be my favorite if he continues to to do that i i also wonder if he's kind of a punching bag because he's like this adorable little like squid kid type thing going on but I was down here playing that with my son along and the moment, the moment he popped up, like he just started laughing and I, that, that was just great for me. So, and that battle was, was not easy either. You know, it, it just took, it took a lot of pattern recognition and things like that. And that's kind of consistent with, with all of this, but at the same time, you know, where, where, where I was, you know, super high on that one, the one that I didn't like, I'm going to ask you guys this too. Like, I didn't like the Wilbur, the sandworm battle. I realized the necessity of teaching you about this circular play mechanic. So Wilbur is this worm who's kind of in the middle of this tower. And imagine it as, I'll use a common reference point, right? If you were Mario and you were walking on the edge of a, of a pipe with a piranha plant in the middle, Think of it that way, right? You're you're on the outside of this of this path, and you sort of run left or right. You're running on a two D plane, but the whole level is sort of shifting around this boss that's in the middle. They had to show that to you because it becomes more important in the end game. But I just didn't. I didn't really like that battle. You had to like knock boulders into these cannons that then shot the boss. Like you weren't actually attacking him. You were dodging stuff and then using these using these things that were in the world to to do the damage. And so I, w- I was less keen on that. That's probably uh, of the bosses. I felt like that was maybe it was kind of a cool lead into him, but then the actual fight itself was just kind of blah to me. Yeah, but, I'm going to probably agree with you there that Wilbur was probably my least favorite for, I want to say probably the fact that, um, you know, the eye, you have to whip his eye back from, but like, it gets to the point where it keeps speeding up. Where it gets harder and harder. It, uh, to me, like probably by like the fifth time whipping the eye, the speed you can't even dodge it, or you know you're just gonna take damage. So just use, just use fireball for that, and you can hit it at a distance. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. You use the magic attacks to help you with that. That's that's before I started breaking the game. But, uh, but I will say uh, I, I I mostly agree about Wilbur kind of being less of a exciting boss fight, but. I absolutely love the expression on its face when you shoot it with a cannon. It just looks like silly and dumbfounded. It kind of goes along a lot with game's art style. So, Church, did did you have a least favorite among those, though? Yeah, it would either be Will, probably Wilbur for the most part. Not that I dislike the fight, but it's just my least favorite. The battle with the Ammo Baron is kind of... It's funny because it's, you know, they got like super underwear and it's kind of a weird fight where you're just, you know, just taking out the, the crowds of the, the soldiers or whatnot like that. I don't really love that part either. It's it's more the humor behind 
behind that fight that I enjoy. But yeah, I think the Wilbur one's kind of like, you know, nothing too interesting. Before we move on, did anyone have any other thoughts on on boss battles as far as those go? Did, is there one that we haven't talked about that we don't want to miss? Are are we going to talk about the, the end game boss battle at some point? We should. Why don't we talk? Let's talk about that now. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so you've so you've gone to Risky's hideout. Risky has come and stolen the. Uh, yeah, we'll just go and we'll tell we'll tell the story. Uh, Risky's come and stolen the the uh, device that your uncle's been working on and is taking it uh, to to her lab because she wants to tear a hole or no, she wants to destroy the genie realm entirely, and so. You have to break through her her hideout, and then you end up fighting against multi-phased boss battle involving her and the device, and then things get really crazy. But yet, Josh, do you want to talk about about that uh, that battle itself, or? Uh, sure. Uh, so that boss battle starts out with Risky Boots kind of jumping around. She's got a, a, a bunch of attacks, including shooting uh, bullets at you. Uh, She's got a cannon that she rains down, like a lot of cannonballs from above. Uh, she drops down on an anchor uh, and shoots at you while her pirate minions come and and try to attack you that way. So there's a lot going on in that screen. I, uh, there is a pattern to it as well. So once you get the pattern down, then you're okay. And then after that, it moves into I forget what that big tinker the dynamo tool. dynamo is that what it's called transitioned into that uh which that boss actually took me a while to figure out how to beat just because i wasn't really paying attention i was just kind of moving back and forth which is counterproductive to defeating him um yeah but there, was, of, there was a definite moment there was like aha yeah there I was an me. aha moment yeah. <laughs> so which that was cool yeah um what i really actually i think of all the boss fights aside from giga mermaid being uh, my least favorite. I really liked all the other boss fights, even Wilbur. I didn't have, I didn't have any trouble with any of them, thankfully. And uh, was, and I think Risky Boots was probably still my favorite boss fight because it, it, it incorporates everything you've learned up to that point, especially like her whole level. And I think that's we'll, we'll get into that later. But that's still one of my favorite levels, and that's. You know, you're you're constantly jumping, you're constantly moving. If you stand still for too long, you're going to get hit. Now, the interesting part about the about her boss fight, there's a lot of trophies, and I did have a sneak peek at the trophies before, uh, not on the on the store, it's on the PlayStation itself, but I looked online, uh, and I noticed that there is an achievement for defeating Risky Boots with the mouse attack. So, and I, I was able to do it, and I was just kind of a, a really kind of a funny moment for me when I, I finally did get it. So, uh, and I think she has two, it, it, there's no health bar anywhere. So you don't know how far you are to defeating any of any of the bosses, but her and specifically, I think someone did say she has 2000 hit points. So you have to hit her a lot with your hair and whatever attacks. And then as long as your, your last hit is with the mouse, then you get the trophy for it. So it was just, it's just kind of a fun little thing. That I think the developers just kind of threw in for fun. It's just kind of an added challenge. So, when you're the mouse, is she able? Because she does some of those like dashing across the screen attacks. Like, does that miss the mouse? It or does did it miss act- me sometimes, but not always. Okay, that's yeah, wild. And I, uh, I wanted to jump in here too. And as kind of a fan of the series, the risky boot boots fight is 
particularly cool. Yeah, I she is also like throughout all the bosses my favorite. But all of her abilities that she uses in that boss fight are all the abilities that you use in Shantae and the Pirate's Curse. So w- without going too much into that, essentially in Shantae and the Pirate's Curse, uh, Shantae doesn't have her dance powers and she acquires some risky boot boots uh, skills, basically. And those are all the skills you utilize. So it was really neat seeing those coming from your enemy in this game instead of you doing those in the last game. Yeah, callbacks are always great. It just kind of stinks when you don't understand what it's calling back to, but no, that's awesome. Now, the last the last boss, the final boss, which is the, the you've been kind of pulled into the genie realm and you have not only the dynamo that you're fighting, but also these these other genies there. That one, like I said, the Wilbur battle comes into play because you have that circular that circular playing field that you're working with. That one felt like the opening boss from Metroid Prime because you had the shield that's sort of circling around the dynamo and you have to hit, you have to not only wait for the shield to go down on one of these genies and then you have to hit the genie and then and then the power from that genie you have to knock through the gap in the shield and hit the dynamo and you have to do that a certain number of times but uh that was that was tricky now at at that point we were fully powered up we had basically unlimited magic and an unlimited resource of uh unlimited resource there but uh i really liked how that one came together i don't know that i have a lot more to say about that one but um no you pretty much Gave exactly how you fight that boss, basically, where you just gotta keep knocking the spirit balls into what is it the is it a mouth or right or whatever the the circular you, yeah with the, the whatever that gap period basically you have to hit right into them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So before we move on from characters and levels and all of that, I want to ask you guys. Uh, if you have a favorite character, let's let's leave Shantae out of the mix here. But what is your favorite character, be it good, bad, or otherwise? Josh, I'm gonna start with you. What was your favorite character from the game aside from Shantae? Um, I think my favorite character was actually Bolo, just because he's a bit of a dork. The I think the best instance of him was during Mermaid Falls when he follows you into the level, which I don't think happens at any other point in the game where a, an outside character follows you into the level. So while you're going to the mermaid factory, you're seeing these girls who are, are chained up and the, their bottom halves are being swallowed by fish to make a, an artificial mermaid. And Bolo is is going around on these rings. You see him flying around and he's hanging by his, his feet. He's got a fish on his head. And I don't know, it just found it very... Uh, entertaining to watch that all go through and he follows you right up to the boss fight as well so just just that constant interaction with him and Shantae just getting annoyed I think was was my favorite part Church how about you favorite non-Shantae character mine is for like non-enemies would be uh, Roddy Tops she's been a long running uh, favorite of mine just because she's kind of comic relief I love a lot of the characters, like they're all like, especially the main characters, they all have like, you know, big hearts, but they're all kind of like idiots, <laughs> very dense, like don't really realize how things work and 
but overall, Roddy Tops is is funny. I mean, she's cute. She's always popping up in useful events throughout throughout the games, and yeah, she, she's got she's got the sway like Shantae does too. True that. Just as she's standing there. Yep. Ryan, how about you? Favorite non Shantae character? I'm gonna repeat kind of what Church said, which is Roddy Tops. With her, doesn't she have like two brothers too? Are those her brothers that are at uh, Hypno Baron's castle? Yep. I, I kind of like because she's a zombie, right? You know, that's why she's green and she's got like a Frankenstein leg kind of, you know, where it's like taped back on. Or her brothers are Poe and Abner. Uh, at, at, at one point, she mentions that she just put on her new leg, like she just replaced this one mm-hmm. recently. Yeah. I mean, like there's like a zombie hamster too, right? That you need to make a trade to make part of the final device that your uncle needs but i i, I guess i just like it that it, does shante really see her as like a, a friend kind of you know because it seems like shante's kind of always kind of like put off by her you know she's like Ugh, this one yeah again, it, so. it, it, it's kind of like a long-running deal because in, in like the first game roddy tops helped helped out shante like because she she won her won a race and then actually uh in the second game God, don't want to spoil too much, but essentially, uh, Roddy Tops and her brothers screw over Shantae majorly, which leads into the third game where it's kind of like uh, she gets found in a situation and Shantae essentially saves her because you know she's the you know the guardian genie helper that you know she's not gonna leave anybody behind. So, I, I think it's more like Shantae just wants to be nice to people and hope that they don't screw her over, but yeah, I think. She's definitely an annoyance. And I, I thought the little, you know, conversations back and forth are funny. So I, I enjoyed a little, those little parts of the game with between the dialogue between Shantae and her. So, yeah. And I think for me, I, I think I'm going to have to go with Squid Baron, even though he has a very small part in, in this, in this game. The, the thing that I mentioned, like the wall, the fourth wall breaking after after you complete Hypno Baron's castle, so after you've defeated him, you're tasked with going around the town to find these clues, and you find Squid Baron in the art gallery talking about how much he loves fan art of him. And so you have to go find... You have to take a fan art poster to Abner, or Poe, I think it's Abner, and then, and then he gives you a fan art of of Squid Baron to bring back to Squid Baron, and he goes, he absolutely loves it. Uh, I, I just thought that was really, it was really funny. It was it was the last clue that I had before I would go to Risky's hideout, and so it was like it was like this milestone moment. But it was just, yeah, I, I, he's extremely well written, and I really like the design of the character. And like I said, she's just just kind of all around funny uh and so i and it sounds like we we did another twitter poll uh, on the cartridge club na twitter account asking what uh people's favorite baron was and it looks like squid baron was an overwhelming uh winner with 63 percent of the votes uh going toward squid baron so congratulations maybe you'll get that game someday there buddy now uh, we've we've kind of talked about all the nitty gritty about about the the levels and things like that. We really haven't talked about just we've briefly touched on the art style and, and church as you mentioned before. The previous games were pixel art. 
this one was done specifically with a hand-drawn style. Um, I want to talk to you guys about what what worked for that. Was there anything that didn't work? And, uh, and, and what did you think about the graphics overall? But I want to start with Ryan. Let's hear from you first. For me, it worked graphically. It, it looks gorgeous, right? The um, it's it, it's very bright, and um, I, I can't honestly think of anything that didn't work though. For me, yeah, it's it's uh, I, I is it really kind of a normal thing for a Shantae game? Because I haven't played any other ones where I I kind of noticed it with Ducktales at least a little bit with Ducktales Real Master. Do they does he always have a, like a sentence or two that she says before the um? dialogue box goes off is that always part of the series or is it always just dialogue box in by that i mean she'll say like hey there and also they'd be like you know sentence will follow suit is that is that a yeah that part? that's more so new uh, it, it's really fleshed out in half genie hero she had very basic emotes in pirate's curse where uh, like any if she had a conversation the first first thing she would say to like sky she'd be like sky or ammo baron and then she'd have like emotes during like when she'd do like a, a charge attack or something. But it's definitely there's more to it in this one. And they actually wanted to do full voice acting as one of the stretch goals, but they didn't didn't get there. So I mean, it's it's you know you see a little bit of the reactions, and I kind of like when you're flying on wrench with Sky, and you're looking over the towns. I kind of like the if you look at her. You know, like it's kind of like the uh, not shock and awe, but like you know, like the the wonder and the joy of like looking from the air and flying in. You know, I love the little animations like that. So I can honestly, I can't think of anything that didn't work for me for this game graphically. Josh, let's hear from you on a from a graphical standpoint. What would you think? Um, I really liked it. There's a bit of a two D animation on top of some three D backgrounds pre-rendered stuff so that was cool very very popping and bright and animated so that's very good the only uh, it could be it could be considered a turnoff for some or some others is there's a lot of there's a lot of wiggling parts in this game that are very distracting that i'm not sure is is that a staple church where you can answer is that a staple throughout the game like that kind of animation style yeah there's there's always been a, a level of fan service in the Shantae games, but I've I've always, I mean, this is my perspective on it. I've always seen it as mostly innocent. It, it You know, it's there. It's, I think a lot of it is, if you look at any character, like the hair, the clothes, like everything moves, mm -hmm. uh, especially in this one. But that being said, I mean, there's definitely the, the extra jiggle and stuff is, is done on purpose. It, it's been prevalent throughout the series. It was actually kind of one of the things I, I was interested in kind of mentioning with this discussion was the fan service aspect. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's always been there. Funny enough, this, this is the first Shantae game that was rated T for teen. Maybe the uh, the art style, uh, I guess, accommodated more more of an ability to display that stuff. But yeah, the the ESRB rating definitely calls out um, the exaggerated uh, features and physics and things like that. 
Beebs. Yeah, and 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 that was present in the the previous games as well. Um, like Shantae had like an idle animation where she would adjust her top, and she'd like kind of like tug it up, and, and there's jiggle. <laughs> and then the, the mermaid in Risky's Revenge was ridiculous because the re- the mermaid you could take out of water, and she would kind of do this like flop as she would move, and there was lots of moving parts to that. But uh, uh, sorry, I, I don't want to take over over for what Josh is saying. I'll let you finish. Sorry. No, no, it's it's good. I like I like hearing like kind of the history of it. Yeah, it, it's just it's one of those things that it's very apparent from like the very beginning. Like, oh, this is like she wakes up in, in like a belly top and she's running around. I'm like, okay, like this is the kind of game that we're we're, we're in for here. Have, have me having had no experience uh, previous to this. Uh, I had some some friends play it, and as soon as as soon as I saw, they're like, "Oh, like what's going on here? Like this is crazy, you know." Um, I I play it in a, in a basement, you know, and my my wife would come in, and I I'd hit the the item menu because I didn't want you know a whole lot of things her being like, "What the heck? What the heck are you playing in here? One of these <laughs> crazy pervy games or something?" And it's you not that that's the old scrambled porn effect. Yeah, exactly. you're like, oh, I'm just changing the channel here. <laughs> oh it was just on uh, uh yeah so yeah it's it's something that uh i mean you either you either love it or you hate it or i guess some people don't really don't really care either way but it's definitely it's definitely noticeable yeah it's funny i, I i've been doing this thing where whenever there's a game that i'm really focused on playing and this is the game that i'm devoting a lot of my time to like we had some recommendations from i think caleb j ross who's one of the one of our community members did this and then i think p1 also sort of adopted this but it's to take your phone lock screen and put it with artwork for that game so that when you you know if you pick up your phone it's like okay i have this to look forward to this is this is going to be later and i got the side eye from my wife because she you know hit my phone and looked and there's you know there's Shantae, and she doesn't know who Shantae is. She's like, "What's this? Uh, what's this purple-haired girl in the bikini doing on your phone?" And so I had to kind of explain myself. And but I I, I agree with you guys that I, I feel like it's for the most part innocent. We're not we're not you know none of this was done with like intention to be gross. It's just it's the art style and it's consistent through the series. So it's not like something that all of a sudden now they have this physics engine that can accommodate this so now let's just all over the place it's 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 not like that necessarily but they they actually as far as the uh the character portraits so just we haven't mentioned this when the characters have dialogue they have a character portrait along with the dialogue box which is something that they've been doing for a while in the series and they've had a different kind of like the art style hasn't changed dramatically, but there's definitely noticeable inspirations and differences between each game. And actually Shantae and the Pirate's Curse, like the character portraits were like a little bit, a little bit more like pronounced compared to this one. Like they, they kind sure. of toned things down, made it at least with the portraits, making them a, a little less kind of risky, I, I guess. Yeah. And it's also worth mentioning too, the, um, uh, just kind of serious history. Uh, the character of Shantae her, herself was actually designed by the lead creator's wife, and all the animation and art design for Half Genie Hero 
moving away from the pixel art was done by Muriel Cartwright, who's mostly well known for the Skullgirls fighting game. And she's also currently working on Indivisible, which is uh, another Kickstarter game. And her Half Genie Hero is very much her art style. It's kind of a blend because if you look at the the previous uh, two Shantae games and this one, you can see a lot of the character animations and stuff are very similar, but they're just more refined with the the hand drawn style. Yeah, there was there was one other comment that I wanted to make, and it was interesting because we every month we have this nice thumbnail that we have for the for the the show, and so we'll, we'll tweet that out and. We actually got a lot of attention this month because WayForward was nice enough to uh, retweet that tweet. We got some comments, though, about that key art that we had. And and it, it, it we came to find that the key art that we had put out there, Shantae was much, her skin tone was much paler than she should have been. Uh, and, and I came to find out that the... Uh, reason that that happened was actually a mistake in the lighting engine that they were using at the time. And so when they were making those promotional materials, she came through as pretty much white Shantae as opposed to having the tan that she should. So they, they then corrected it. But so many of the, uh, you know, we, uh, we grabbed that art from, you know, locations that are reputable and they still have up that, that, old artwork um we just found that really interesting we actually got a lot of comments about it for once which was which is pretty wild so but yeah in, interesting little fact that you know just little mistake in the lighting engine and suddenly uh you have somebody looking far different than she did in the uh in the previous games did anyone else want to talk about graphics before we move or visuals of the game before we move I just want to like shout out the like the attention to detail. There's just so much detail everywhere. There's layers upon layers. Like like I'd mentioned, like everything moves. Like even the the like the general just generic NPCs that are walking around in Scuttle Town that you can just have random conversations with. Like their clothes move. There's people in the background doing different things. Like that, that's one that's one thing that I really love about this series. You know I. Quick, there's a level quick, of quick, uh, quick question for you um, because you know er everyone moves but it seems like they all move to the beat of the music have you kind of noticed that too it seems it, like they all kind of just like rock to the, the beat it's really like I know yeah. you go talk to somebody like that one big muscular guy and you see him he's just you know if you, you know he's just like this the entire time just like rocking to the beat of the town basically I don't know. attention to detail kind of like you're saying basically yeah, I just totally, don't totally. really know yeah it's always been true to the series I mean, every game is made with passion, but I don't know, something just really seems like they always try to go above and beyond and make it the most that it can be. And uh, especially when pulling in a notable animator, you know, Muriel Cartwright, there's also a, a, a guy from Inti Creates this. Uh, I'm going to, I never know how to say his name. It's either Makoto or, or Mokoto, however the, the Japanese pronunciation is. Mokoto Yabe, who's from Inti Creates who actually was another big inspiration to to some of the style choices that they made, which I think is awesome. Like, they really they really uh, put a lot of work into it. Well, and, and considering that this game was was a Kickstarter game, right? Like, they, they, they had their vision, uh, and then they set for some stretch stuff, and, uh, you know, they actually doubled their initial goal 
more than doubled their initial goal, which which brought about a lot of DLC. And so these stretch goals ended up becoming things that they added on later, including some other modes. And now I didn't, I don't think Ryan did. Josh, I don't think you really delved into the DLC stuff, but Church, I think you've got some some knowledge on this. I, sure. I think you 100%ed every single mode, if I yeah. recall, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, can you kind of tell us what these other modes are and what maybe ones you'd recommend? Yeah, uh, all modes were stretch goals. There was more that they wanted to do that they they just didn't hit the goals. And it's kind of interesting looking at uh, the series, the kind of like where it is now with popularity compared to where it was before the game came out. I expect their next Kickstarter, they'll probably be able to get more goals because the series has become way more popular now. But there are... Three DLCs. There's uh, Pirates Queen's Quest, P- Pirate Queen's Quest, uh, Friends to the End DLC, and then the Costume Pack. All of them are basically you're replaying the game, uh, the same levels. They'll kind of change up some things, uh, different objectives, but you're essentially kind of running through all the motions again, just in di- different circumstances. I really recommend playing uh, Pirate Queen's Quest because it's the whole story is through the perspective of Risky Boots. So she basically says, this is this is how the events actually went down. And then you play through a level using different skills, different abilities, uh, which is a lot of fun. And then at the end is really awesome. So you replay this campaign and instead of, you know, you're Risky now. So the last fight, instead of fighting Risky, you're, you're fighting Shantae. And the presentation for that boss battle is awesome. Like it, it, it's like the Risky Boots battle, but with Shantae and her dances have been turned into big boss attacks, which is really neat. The the friends to the D, friends to the end DLC I also thought was a lot of fun. Again, you're kind of playing through the levels again, but it's done in kind of in the style of the Lost Vikings, where you play as Sky and Roddy Tops, and you switch between the characters on the fly to make use of different abilities to get past certain obstacles in your way. And then there's a neat like end level for that one. And then the the costume packs, basically it's just a, a stripped down version of the game. You're just playing through the levels. No really extra additional story, but it's uh, they have like a story explanation of why Shantae's dressed up in as an, a police officer or a ninja and again new abilities and stuff there and the costume pack is really fun sp- especially for the officer mode because they turn all the levels into basically mighty switch force levels and it really changes up the gameplay where instead of just platforming you're switching blocks to and from the the foreground and background to to navigate and they changed all the the music for all the levels to mighty switch force music and then they also they did a standalone release for the jammy mode, which was just another uh, costume pack mode, which was Shantae in her pajamas. And then there's a, a, a palette swap that you can just change the colors as well. And that's per, I think that's all the DLCs. That's that's substantial for a game that was asking for you know a pretty modest budget. I I, I think for for a game in this day and age. Do you do you know if there are Maybe you have your ear to the to the ground on this. Do you, do you know if there's more coming, either in Half Genie Hero or 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 another game? 
I don't believe there's going to be anything else added to Half Genie Hero. Pretty much everything that's been released now ha- was all their stretch goals. And I haven't heard if they've began work on the next game. I really, of course, I'm I'm praying that they are because yeah. I would love more. But uh, and I just want to throw in another little just interesting tidbit as far since we're talking about like the stretch goals and whatnot is when they did the 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 Half Genie Hero Kickstarter. There was also a stretch goal goal where they retroactively added a, another mode to Shantae Risky's Revenge, which was an alternate costume that like gives you basically like infinite magic and can replay the game through that game. So it's kind of neat. You know, a lot of different things came from it. That's pretty wild. Yeah, well maybe the CC effect is a thing and maybe maybe we'll get that announcement sometime soon because it seems like everything we play suddenly either becomes free or available to more people or, or something like that. So Let's uh, let's get another Shantae game out there, please. Awesome. Thank you for giving us that DLC breakdown because you've got a you ha- you have something that you've shared on Twitter a few times that's that's a a gif of the start screen and showing all of them at 100%, which is just that's really cool. I really like that. Let's talk about the music. We've been talking all this time. I'm sure we've been hearing some of it throughout uh, throughout the conversation, but the music itself we brought up i brought up jake kaufman you know a really great composer who did who did uh shovel knight is probably what he's most known for but this soundtrack which accompanied my copy of the wii u version i have a copy of the soundtrack in there the risky beats that's the same as like the the full track list right but yep. I, I wanted to ask you guys if you have favorites. I have my own, but I'll, I'll let you guys go first. So, Josh, I want to ask you first, did, did you have uh, a favorite track? Or maybe was there music that would accompany a certain level that, that you enjoyed more than others? My favorite track in the whole game, actually, was Roddy Top's theme. It was just really slow, uh, R&B, like funky. I purposely didn't advance the dialogue very quickly just so I could hear it longer. And I would actually just kind of let it run just to kind of get the full cycle of it. It's not very prevalent throughout the entire game. Uh, unfortunately, I wish there was maybe in some of the uh, the DLC you could get Roddy Tops. I don't know if that shows up as more of a, a main theme song. But yeah, it's just just really really cool i wish i wish there was more of it but all of all of the music was is fantastic i don't think there was a, a particular track that i didn't like okay and then church i'm sure you could probably read us off the entire the entire <laughs> list but what what tracks really stood out to you or is it, is there one that sort of was above all else yeah i it's really hard for me to pick because yeah, there's a lot of songs that I, I absolutely love on the soundtrack, but 
I think right at this moment, uh, currently, I, I'm going to say that my favorite song is probably going to be Tasseltown. particularly enjoy the song because it's just it's, it's super groovy it, it, it's kind of a throwback to a, a song that was in uh shantae and the pirate's curse uh, it kind of reminded me a lot of that and one particular like shout out about the shantae series soundtracks is so jake kaufman's been been doing all the the shantae games since the beginning and every game he remixes a lot of the songs uh, and then he'll add in a few new songs. So, and it's interesting to see how how they change what songs become certain themes. Like a lot of the the uh, support characters, uh, Bolo, Sky, Roddy Tops, a lot of their their theme music originally started out as like a town theme in the original Shantae game, the town that those characters were in. So that's that's one. Th- Thing that's kind of neat with the series a lot of reoccurring songs especially uh burning town that is like one of the main songs in every single game but like burning like a lot of the main levels like i really love the music the counterfeit mermaids the cape crustacean music i like a lot uh, tinker bat factory and then one other thing that i really love uh less in this one because i did it a little less but uh, more prevalent in the the previous games is some of the, the more like metal songs uh especially the boss theme it's pretty pretty rocking in this one that's always a good one but the dynam the dynamo also hits that pretty well yes yes this this one uh this game really kind of takes a there's like kind of like a jazz like jazz electronic that's like more of a focus in this one where the previous game was kind of like had more like of a uh it was like electronic dance music mixed with kind of like some more like rock metal elements like it, it, there's always kind of like a feel to each soundtrack even though a lot of the songs you know are the same songs from various games just kind of reworked a little bit I particularly love like you got the verses of the songs but then the choruses like i love jake kaufman for uh, chorus uh, choruses whether it be shante or or shovel knight like he those those hooks that he does it just it resonates with me a lot okay ryan let's let's hear from you on the on the music front is were there specific ones that maybe even ones that have already been mentioned that that really stuck out for you yeah i'll give you my my two favorite are is the counterfeit mermaids
I, I love it's I know it's kind of like in a factory, but like the theme fits it, you know, it fits perfectly. And it's and the, also this, this falls in the same category for Hypno Baron's Castle. Like it just the theme fits. It just hits me perfectly. You know, I don't dread having to go back to the solo because I'm going to hear these tunes again. Yeah, I just don't get sick of them. You know, I don't get sick and tired of hearing the same beats. And it, it, it just hits well for me, for, especially for those two levels. One thing I kind of noticed, and maybe it's because it's just part of the Shantae, who, it, you know, it is, but um, it, it seems like most of these music, the music for this game is kind of like, I don't know, dance club? It's very, some of it's techno-y, you know? It's, uh, it's very about, you know... You hear a lot of bass, you know, a lot of thumping in the bass, you know, just to keep you on on rhythm. And my guess is because you know Shante has her dances in the game that it just kind of fits into the theme. But um, yeah, the, those two themes especially really just like resonate with me a lot. So I found myself particularly drawn to Neo Burning Town. I like that one because it starts off a little there's a, there's a little bit of crunchiness at the beginning and then you have kind of this reminds me a lot of like aladdin sort of mixed with some like techno dance music and it's just i, I don't know it works really well for like your first big level and uh kind of sets i don't know it sets a really good stage for that that level you start off in the daytime and then it becomes nighttime and so there's it's I really like that one. The other one is such a simple little jazzy tune, and it's called Let's Go Shopping.
and it's the item shop song. It is just super chill, relaxed. Like uh, you have to go in that item shop a few times, and so it's. Uh, it, I I, I, th- I think you've each kind of mentioned this, right? The music itself, you don't get tired of it, and it's good that you don't get tired of it because you. If, if you ran across a track, if one of these levels in the music was subpar and you had to go through that level uh, two or three times, like it would be a poor experience for you. But yeah, like the, the entirety of this of this album, I think is is great. I, I do want to point out that the main song, the vocals on there, it's the only the only track that has vocals is Dance Through the Danger, which is effectively the theme for the the game, is sung by Christina V, last name V-E-E, and she is the voice of Shantae and all of the female characters that have voices. So it's it's nice that they integrated that as well and, and use the actual voice actor there. Any others that I'm missing? Anyone have any like final uh, final musical inclusions that I'd like to to put a yeah a shout out for the art gallery music. It's so, it's so elevator music. It's it's great. <laughs> yeah, and I think one other one that I I, I like quite a bit is, um, uh, Uncle Mimic's theme. It's just kind of this like relaxing, kind of like goofy, kind of funky song. Uh, I think is a lot of fun. And the dance through the danger is kind of neat because that's the first first time they've had a song with lyrics in the Shantae series and it's the first song that Jake Kaufman's ever done with lyrics as well and yeah it's it's awesome that they they got Christina V to to do the song and yeah she does the voices and everything and uh, she's actually a pretty uh, prolific uh, voice actress as well that's awesome yeah so why don't we take this opportunity to hear from the community before we give our final thoughts and so we've had a few people uh who have paid attention to our our twitter through the month we sort of asked previously we've done three word reviews we stopped doing that in uh last month and instead we've been having uh, people give a tweet's worth of opinion on there. So I want to hand it over to Ryan to kind of hear from a few people from our community who've taken the time to to give us some thoughts here. So first up, we have Flock of Nerds, and they submitted, I believe this game to be delightful, simply put, and it's full of charm. We have Caleb J. Ross to follow that up, and he writes, the Shanti series brought me back to t- 2D platformers, and Half Genie Hero is a perfect most recent addition. And then we have Trav from Trav Plays Games. He wrote, lovely soundtrack, fun mechanics, and engaging puzzles. Shantae. That's my polykill voice because he wrote it there. Um, so, yeah, thank you for everyone who submitted your thoughts. And, um, you know, hopefully going forward, we continue to get more and more people to do this because it's nice just to get more than just probably, you know, a quick blurb. Actually, if you can explain yourself a little bit more why you enjoy playing the game, even if you didn't enjoy some things, it's perfectly fine. We want, you know, this group participation. Yeah, for sure. And of course, now that we've heard from the community, I want to hear from the panel and kind of put a bow on this whole thing and kind of get your lasting impressions, maybe your overall rating of the game and your final thoughts. Church, I want to start with you and kind of put a bow on this whole thing. Sure. Uh, yeah. So I 
I love this game. Uh, I will say I didn't vote it as like my like top three for 2016 as much as I love the game. You know, it, it's it is what it is. Like when you put it up against like AAA games, I think it's you know kind of different. You know, apples to uh, oranges kind of comparison. But for a a platformer, uh, you know, it. it it's it's not a metroidvania anymore the first game was a metroidvania and they've always kept many of those elements in the game the revisiting of the levels you know getting new abilities to get to different sections and things like that like i i particularly love metroidvania games uh the shantae game it it kind of hits all the notes that i really enjoy in in these games like this one doesn't have that retro aesthetic doesn't have the pixel art but it has that that hand-drawn animation with the attention to detail i'm a big fan of you know i, I like fan service in games so that's always a nice inclusion uh i i like the the detail that they put in like the the vocal emotes when when like shante's having a conversation and she'll say certain words things like that and then the music like jake kaufman besides nobuo uematsu uh, Jake Kaufman is my my favorite composer. Everything that I've heard that he's done is just fantastic. So you know, uh, as, as much as I can encourage people, like even if there's listeners who didn't play Half Genie Hero, maybe that just wasn't their you know cup of tea. Uh, you know, go back and check out uh, Pirates Curse. Maybe maybe Pirates Curse is a little bit more in your wheelhouse. They they kind of change things up with with each game they try different things you know th there's varied styles you got the platforming and then you have like the slide levels uh which is almost kind of like a you know i, I don't know what you call that style but then like you know the race like they mix things up to try to keep things interesting so yeah i i, I mean i can't praise this series enough i i love it so yeah okay and then josh let's hear your overall thoughts on the game here as we wrap things up well like i mentioned in the beginning of the show i i really started this game not liking it that much um i've i've played a lot of platformers in my day and i, I like hard platformers but also like ryan said you start out very underpowered and it, it's it's very difficult to get through it but as time goes on as you learn to play the game it really comes into its own and really you know tightens up once you figure out uh how all the magic works how all the potions work and how the transformations will like, help you tr uh, help your traversal and all those kind of things once you figure all that out and you're not afraid to grind a little bit to get some gems i mean it's 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 really really good some there's it's it's not a it's not a perfect game i think uh, church is, is is kind of saying that along with like uh how, how things have moved this isn't his favorite in the series i don't think i there are a few areas in the game that that could be tightened up there's some abilities that i think are are underutilized or not needed um the first one that comes to mind is like the bat sonar you use that for one room in the entire game uh, i wish they would have incorporated that a little bit more and uh, the the backdash mechanic that I I bought thinking I would I'd be doing a lot of, of dodging, but you just you just never used it. Uh, so just things like that, you know, they've they're obviously trying a lot of different things, and I they're they're probably doing using the spaghetti approach and just throwing a bunch at the wall and seeing what sticks. 
so I think like the next game in the series will be pretty much on point. Uh, but this is this is a really good game. I don't think anyone should shouldn't play it. If you like platformers, this is your type of game. If you like Metroidvanias, even though this isn't very, I, I don't like using the word Metroidvania, but it, it's it's kind of like that, but a little bit less because you're you're you have very dedicated levels that you're backtracking through, so you're not going up and down and getting lost. You know where stuff is, and and as you gain abilities, you learn to go to a different area. So, yeah, it, it's 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 fantastic. Yeah, I, I just want to jump in because I. Like the main thing I wanted to mention that I totally forgot to mention in my kind of final thoughts was the humor. Like I love the humor of the of these games. It's sarcastic. It's dry. Bad puns. Play on words. Like that, that's my jam, and it's a lot of fun. Very good, Ryan. Let's hear from you, and then I will close this out after you. Sure. So. I guess I'll, I, you know, this game was, I really enjoyed this game, but I'm going to, you know, I guess say a little bit of my gripes here with the game. It's not perfect, but it still was a lot of fun here. Sometimes I felt like the platforming was just a little off and maybe it's by design and everything. Uh, I'll give you some an example that I didn't like. So for the fake mermaid level, the counterfeit mermaid level, there's an area with gears that you have to jump on and you have to jump up. I don't like it, and I'm going to blame this on bad RNG because I've been watching uh, Games on Quick, that the gears don't line up correctly. So you're going to have to keep constantly waiting until you get the perfect gear lineup so you can jump up. You know, like if it was timed perfectly, I think I would enjoy that more, but it's all probably randomly generated in the game. But like stuff like that, it, it bothers me a little bit because I'm like, I'm, I'm waiting for this to line up. Okay, nope, this didn't line up correctly. So it's little stuff like that. It's it's a minor gripe, but uh, for, for my liking, I would prefer it to not be like that. It It's not a long game. It took me about seven hours to do, and I was at 97, 98%, and it's because I, did, I thought it was 100% because I had everything maxed out. I saw all the power-ups on every level were were taken um essentially what it was is i had to make the trades for the dance i didn't i didn't know that so that's on my that's on me for not 100 percenting the game but whatever it's not that big of a deal um, yeah, it's not 91 percent. no it's better uh <laughs> um, Basically, i saw i saw your your comment to that in church's response to saying that you had to trade for the stuff so i, w- I was able to get 100 percent of the game so thanks for the tweets yeah you know it's, you know i'm glad i could help somebody the, the comparison to Wonder Boy, I think, probably is more fitting than the uh, Metroidvania term to it, too. But I felt, I guess the way to describe it is I felt it's more of a, what I had in my notes here is it's a, more of a Metroidvania for beginners. But with the addition of the, you know, transformations, this fits right more into Metroidvania. And I believe Mighty Q-Dog will even tell me that Wonder Boy, you know, was out before Metroid. So, you know, he, he likes to point out that, you know, it shouldn't be called Metroidvania. It should be called something variation with Wonder Boy in it. So I, I, I think that fits in with here. I felt like, like I said, it's more for beginners for of your thinking about getting to that, those um, types of games. As someone who's not a fan of Metroidvanias, this one was much more enjoyable or more, more my speed. So take that for, for what it is. And the story, like I said, the story was a little bit lacking. But, uh, and I'm going to give credit to Dean here in the chat because I saw he posted this in the chat and I think it's very fitting. You know, the story might be lacking, but the dialogue between the characters is great. So 
would I recommend this to somebody? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you, especially if you're a fan of 2D platformers, I think it's you know, it's something you should look into. And I'm all about interest in the series now. I I, uh, I bought what's the one that just got limited run again here that they just got to to, to greenlit for the Switch. Pirates Curse. Pirates Curse. So I pay, I'm buying that again because I have it on the uh, the 3DS. But you know what? I rather play it on my Switch. So I'm buying it again. So I bought uh, it again too. <laughs> so it's like, you know, whatever, just keep that tradition going here. So, uh, well, like I said, I'm interested in the series. Uh, one thing I'll say about this here, it's it's a good game, and I could see the greatness in it, but the thing about it is, is it's it's not there, and I feel as if there is a better game in the series. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you, you've played games before, you know, like, this is good, that one's better. And I feel as if like there is another one in the series that is like that. It's probably going to resonate more for me that I think this is the one it's, this would be just another good one. And you say, Oh, that was a fun one. That was a fun one to play. And that's how I kind of feel with this game is I, I know this is probably my wheelhouse. So that's, that's exactly what I want to say is it's good. I, I, I just know it can be better. And I, I, I think it's maybe one of the other games in the series that I haven't played yet. So Pirates curse for sure. It's on my list. <laughs> Okay. Well, and yeah, I, I have to echo everything that, that you guys have said. I haven't played a lot of 2D platformers, especially lately, and uh, this was a breath of fresh air, despite being a mechanic that is, you know, is not new, right? But the art style did it for me. The music did it for me. Uh, the humor did it for me. And I don't know. I I could sink a ton more time in this. Being that this is the first game that I actually like streamed start to finish. I'm kind of proud of that. It's it, it it was a ton of fun to do, and it's something that I'm glad it was a good experience. You know, because if if it hadn't been, then I I don't know if I would want to do that every every week. And and so this was this was a a, a good first step there. Would I recommend it to friends? Absolutely. And if there's anyone in the club who's listening to this show and, and hasn't played it, please do. Please take the time to to give this one a try. It sounds like if if you want to give Pirate's Curse a try, it sounds like we're getting a uh, overall consensus. Go play that one as well. But you really, I I don't think you can go wrong here. And if you're if you're at all uh, you know running into any any difficulty or issues, like. You've got people who can help you work through those things as well. So, yeah, I absolutely would would recommend it. And so, so I think that's gonna kind of wrap it up here. Ryan, do you want to take it from here? And sure. Well, that's the show, folks. So, thank you everyone for being here. I want to thank our guests for joining us. So, Josh, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on YouTube. I am at Creep Leets. That's Creep One Three Three Seven. I'm also on Twitter, same handle, and everything like that. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. And we also have Church. Church, where can we find you on the internet? Yeah, uh, mainly you can find me on YouTube as The Game Grinder. I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook as The Game Grinder as well. And you can also look me up as The Game Tenants Podcast. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As for myself, you can find me on Twitter at it's Rocket Sauce. Um, I'm also I usually make my weekly appearance on the Tuesday hang, uh, CC Hangouts, 
and I also have an Instagram. So I usually post uh, some of my pickups usually for there. Yeah, so follow me on there. And uh, lastly, Musty, where can we find you on the internet? Yeah, so most prominently and lately, it has been on Monday nights at twitch.tv slash cartridge club. I've been streaming the game of the month. I uh, want to do that more regularly because we realize that not everyone can play along, but some people just want to experience the game. Uh, it's a good way for us to share in that. I also do have a YouTube channel, Second Breakfast, uh, which is still there. Uh, I haven't put out a video in a little while. We'll get there. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Musty Hobbit as well. But yeah, again, that was January's Game of the Month. Uh, Shantae, Half Genie Hero. Uh, and again, we, being a Game of the Month podcast, we have another one coming up February. In February, uh, we wanted a game based around love. And we picked one that's probably a little unconventional. Uh, and that's going to be Catherine for the... Uh, Xbox 360, PS3, and Steam was recently released as Catherine Classic. So if you're unaware about this game, it's a tale of love, betrayal, and the terror of commitment. And I think it's a perfect fit for February. Uh, to those of you interested, I do want to again point out that if you're interested in supporting the club beyond uh, a review of the podcast on the podcast app of your choice, I'd like to again mention that the club is entirely funded by pledges made from members from our community. We're extremely grateful to those supporters, including those that were able to be here tonight to watch us live. Uh, if you're interested in becoming one of them, please check out our offerings at patreon.com slash cartridge club. We look forward to hearing from you next month as we play along with Prime CCU next.
शाम है